Disasters, True Stories, narrated by Brad Carty. The Great Flood of Boston, in Molasses Up to the Neck. In the 20th century, the great American distilleries were experiencing a real emotional elevator. For a long time, the First World War kept their factories running at full speed, from the refining of sugarcane to the fermentation of molasses necessary for the production of alcohol, which, in the end, was mainly used in the manufacture of dynamite and other explosive black powder. But all good things must come to an end, and when the conflicts finally ended, the armistice of 1918 made the biggest oil companies in the country cringe. The worst was yet to come. The Christian society wanted to regain a semblance of morality, won the support of women's associations bruised by the marital violence of their drinking husbands, and pushed for the ratification of the 18th Amendment to the Constitution. In other words, the prohibition deployed in the majority of the states in 1920 would signal the end of a prosperous era for the companies specialized in spirits. Embarked in a race against time, these companies redoubled their efforts and planned a last stand before closing their doors. Everything was ready to be produced in astronomical quantities and to anticipate the sudden increase in demand, even if it meant neglecting the safety of their infrastructures, not to mention that of their consumers. January 15, 1919, in Boston, Massachusetts, began in the most beautiful way. In the early morning, an unexpected rise in temperature thawed the sidewalks and gave citizens a taste of spring. Coats were left on, but people went out for a walk with their families, shopping or just sunbathing. In the late morning, the old Italian immigrant neighborhood of North End was in full swing. Its avenues teemed with life. Workers left the factories and went out to lunch. No one sensed the coming catastrophe. However, it was difficult not to notice the gigantic tank located at 529 Commercial Street. Nearly 150 feet high, 88 feet in diameter, and inside, 12,000 tons of molasses boiling under an unusual heat. The pressure increased little by little, with the public blissfully unaware. At 12.30 p.m., the residents of North End suddenly heard a series of machine-gun-like blasts, followed by a heavy, ground-shaking rumble. All eyes were on the tank as the rivets gave way one after the other. The tank finally fell and was ripped open by the impact. From the collapse of the tank, a wave of molasses 15 feet high broke out at a speed of 35 miles per hour and swept away everything in its path. Buildings were torn off their foundations and a train running on overhead tracks was lifted up and overturned on the public highway. The blackish mixture even penetrated homes, trapping its residents within their four walls. Some people, until then in the middle of a nap, woke up in their beds swept away by the waves. The molasses covered the streets, suffocated its passers-by, or trapped them like quicksand. The more they struggled, the more they sank. In a few moments, the city had gone from a sunny insouciance to the most total apocalypse. Not far from the disaster, 
The U.S. Nantucket, a U.S. Navy warship that had been in port for several days, sent its 116 sailors to help the inhabitants. They were joined by firefighters, police, the Red Cross, and even civilian volunteers. The maneuver proved to be laborious, as the molasses was getting colder by the minute and it was very difficult to move forward or even to locate the people affected. The first visible victims were the horses, exhausted from trying to free themselves. They were suffering so much that the police had no choice but to shoot them on the spot. As for the humans, a temporary hospital was set up in a nearby building to treat the first survivors. One hour after the incident, a hundred people had already been evacuated. The final toll? 150 people injured and 21 crushed or drowned. 300 people mobilized to clean up the area, a task that would take 87,000 hours of hard work. Bodies were found weeks later, and although the firefighters pumped tons and tons of molasses, it had hardened to such an extent that they ended up removing it with large shovels. The water in the harbor would remain brown until summer, and in the meantime, Boston would be calling for an explanation. A month later, the residents of the neighborhood filed a class-action lawsuit, and an investigation was opened by the Massachusetts court. It revealed that the tank had been built in 1915 by the Purity Distilling Company, a subsidiary of USAC, or United States Alcohol Company. The choice of its location was not a coincidence. The tank was located between the port, where molasses was imported by boat from refineries in Cuba or Puerto Rico, and the overhead railroad that covered the material to the factory that would transform it into rum. The supervision of the works was entrusted to Arthur Gell, the company's financial advisor, who was not very qualified in engineering and architecture. The result was a rough construction of large curved steel plates held together by rivets on a concrete base in the hope that the whole thing would stand. But it wasn't long before the structure showed some flaws. As soon as it was opened, the tank began leaking long streaks of molasses, much to the delight of North End children. The problem was reported to the company, which responded by painting the walls brown, thus camouflaging the flaws without really fixing them. In early 1919, the end of the war and the impending announcement of prohibition pushed USAC to sell as much alcohol as possible in the time available. On January 12th, a steamer landed in Boston, filled to the brim with molasses. The merchandise was immediately stored in the tanker, which reached its maximum capacity. The investigation accused Arthur Gell and his superiors of having neglected the assembly of their tank, whose structure was deemed insufficient to support such a load. The company defended itself as best it could, even accusing Italian anarchists of having sabotaged the tank. Nonetheless, on April 28, 1928, the Purity Distilling Company and its parent company were found guilty of manslaughter, violation of common safety, and were ordered to pay $600,000 to the families of the victims and to the city, the equivalent of $8.5 million current dollars. 
The Boston disaster marked the end of an era when large U.S. companies ignored government restrictions on their operations. Since then, Massachusetts and other states have taken care to pass new laws to certify engineers and regulate their construction. Finally cleaned up from top to bottom, the North End has recovered over time and life has returned to normal. Residents say the smell of molasses lingered for decades, and even today, when a municipal baseball field has replaced the dreaded reservoir, hot days stir a sweet smell in the air, bringing back the ghosts of the past. <laughs>